The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help, I need somebody. Help, not just anybody. Help, you know I need someone. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. Um, I'm a physician trained in Britain, as I'm sure you can tell from my accent. I've worked for many years in Canada and also with various colleagues in the U.S. I'm retired from practice, but I'm working in healthcare research and development. I see family caregiving as one of the most important supports for healthcare right across the world right now. Family caregivers are the people who provide care to family members suffering from health challenges. Family caregivers are the people who remain behind when everybody else has gone home. And you know, the healthcare systems of so many countries rely on the unpaid help of family caregivers. Now, here I have a confession to make. I'm an activist for family caregiving, which explains the name of the show, Family Caregivers Unite. Our topic for today is medical alert and family caregiving. I'm sure many of you know, the Medical Alert Foundation uh, was set up over 50 years ago and is the only non-profit emergency medical information service. It has over 4 million members worldwide, and the Medical Alert Foundation is trusted by emergency responders to relay critical life-saving information when it's needed. We're going to hear our two guests, whom I'll introduce in a moment, explain the services that MedicAlert provides and how these help family caregivers as well as the persons who receive care from family caregivers. They'll discuss the types of medical and personal emergencies that MedicAlert focuses on, the way these occur and the challenges, and they do bring challenges to family caregivers. And they'll explain how MedicAlert services help with these types of challenges. Our two guests are Ramesh Srinivasan and Robert Ridge, and I'm going to call them by their first names, and I'm going to invite them to call me by my first name, too. Now, Ramesh is Senior Vice President of Marketing and Business Development for the U.S. Medical Earth Foundation, which he joined in 2002. With his more than 20 years of strategic market, marketing and business development experiences, he evangelizes Medical Alert's emergency-oriented services. He led Medical Alert's initiative, for example, to enhance safety services for clinical trials. With the Alzheimer's Association, he launched the Medical Alert Plus Safe Return 
a 24-hour nationwide emergency service for Alzheimer's or dementia patients who wander or who have a medical emergency. He delivered presentations at many high-profile national conferences, including the National Managed Healthcare Conferences, several annual conferences at the White House, and he contributed to the to a guidance document for the protection of populations at particular risk during an influenza pandemic. And this was sponsored by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Robert is president and CEO of the Canadian Medical Alert Foundation, and that's a position he's held since April 2008. His mandate is to continue to provide Canadians with the highest quality independent personal health information system available in this country, Canada. Prior to his appointment as president and CEO, he held the position of vice president, having joined Medical Earth in 2001. He has more than 20 years of senior management experience spanning the for-profit and non-for-profit sectors in Canada. His experience includes senior management positions in the heavy construction, entertainment, and public art sectors. He's a certified management accountant, and he subsequently graduated from the Schulich School of Business at York University with a Master's of Business Administration degree with honors. He's completed executive management studies at the Harvard Business School and the Sloan School of Management at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. Welcome to the show, Ramesh and Robert. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to start with Ramesh, but I'm basically giving you both the same, same questions, but I'm going to ask Ramesh to speak about the U.S. and Robert to speak about Canada. So Ramesh first, what are the services that Medical Alert provides in the U.S., and who typically are these services provided to? Well, Gordon, uh, thanks for having us over on your show. Um, as you rightly said at the outset, for more than 50 years, uh, the services that Medical Alert Foundation provides in the United States is a combination of personal medical identification and emergency medical information services. Uh, we have relayed our members' vital medical information to emergency responders about their critical conditions or allergies, including medications and dosages, so that they receive faster and safer treatment. Our 24-hour emergency response service also provides family and caregiver notification so that members can be reunited with the families whenever they are in an emergency and there's nobody around them. The typical member of Medical Alert would be individuals who have any medical condition, primarily chronic conditions, or people who are on multiple medications or wearing an implantable medical device such as a pacemaker, or may have severe allergies or allergic reaction to food or prescription drugs that might put them at risk in an emergency. These folks or these individuals need the medical health services. Our membership allows individuals to manage emergency medical information record and be able to provide to an emergency this particular information to the responders, and we speak for our members when they are unable to speak for themselves. Thanks, Ramesh. Now, to Robert, the same, exactly the same question. What does Medical Alert provide in Canada, and who typically 
are those services provided too? Uh, the the membership base in Canada receives uh, primarily the same services that Ramesh spoke to as being delivered in the U.S. Um, the the only substantial difference in Canada is we have a, a new program uh, which we've launched in Nova Scotia called Medical Access on Route, which I'll refer to later. But primarily the group in which we're um, seeking to, to protect are the same in Canada as in the U.S. Now, my question is going to broaden this to, um, you know, broaden the services and the idea of the services to something Ramesh mentioned, and that is the family caregivers. So, Robert, still with you, in Canada, how do those services you provide help family caregivers and not only the persons who are experiencing the needs that the services address, the family well, caregivers? It's, it's interesting. In Canada, we have just over 1 million members, and every year we have about 120,000 interactions with those members. Those interactions primarily relate to either the setting up of an emergency medical profile or the uh, editing or modification of that profile. And it was interesting when we started looking at who we were serving on a daily basis that up to 40% of the, th- those daily interactions were not with the member themselves but, if, but rather with the family caregiver. So that is essentially a person who is managing a medical information file on behalf of their spouse or their children or uh, a parent or, or could even be managing a record on behalf of a friend. Uh, that is, um, when we really looked at our, our daily experience, we were quite surprised to see that um, we were providing uh, so much of the daily, um, um, so many of those daily interactions were not with members themselves, but rather with, with, uh, with a caregiver who was basically managing an emergency medical uh, profile on behalf of, of, um, of the person they were caring for. So with you, Robert, can you give me a couple of examples that would illustrate the way in which a family caregiver is, in effect, the intermediary that you're working, working through? So it could be the case that a, um, you know, a, uh, a, a, a person caring for their spouse um, is, um, you know, realizes that uh, their spouse has a condition which uh, requires medical protection, so they could have... Um, um, been, on, uh, been diagnosed with a new condition that requires a new medication, and the caregiver would call us and uh, initiate a, uh, a membership with Medical Alert, and that person then establishes both a medical profile, which basically lists the important medical information which needs to be known in an emergency, but also establishes the network of family contacts that allows uh, various family members, including the caregiver, to be notified in the event that that member is involved in an emergency. Very good. I'm going to come back to that later on because this is a very interesting point, but I want to put to Ramesh, Ramesh, the same question. Um, what about the services and the family caregivers that you provide in the U.S.? Sure. Um, before I get to that, I think what's also important to know is that the person that the family caregiver is taking looking after uh, they are what I we call the medical aid members who do get the medical aid personalized medical ID that's personalized for them with the 24/7 emergency response number, so that if at all they are in an emergency, we are able to provide their critical vital medical information. 
So how does the family caregiver play a role here? The services that we provide for them is A, the capability for them to manage this emergency medical information record on behalf of the loved one. It could be a parent taking care of a child who's got severe anaphylactic reaction, let's say, to, to peanuts, or an individual taking care of an aged parent who may be suffering from dementia. These folks, the caregivers, basically get the family notification service so that in an emergency, as soon as we have completed providing the medical information on behalf of the member, we will then contact the family caregiver and let them know with the assumption that they are not with their member at the time of an emergency as to what has happened so that they can be reunited with the family. So we provide them with a peace of mind and a tool that enables them to manage the information on behalf of the one they're caring for. That's a very powerful, a very, very powerful point. Now, I'm going to break um, our discussion just for a moment because we do have to pay the rent, and there's going to be a short break, uh, which is time for us to take. And I finish off by saying this is Dr. Gordon Avery, and my guests are Ramesh Srinivasan and Robert Rich. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel, and please stay with us. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. The incidence of autism has increased at an alarming rate. Approximately 1 in 150 children are affected by autism, giving autism the undesired ranking as the most prevalent childhood developmental disorder in the U.S., 67 children will be diagnosed today. That is nearly one child every 20 minutes. Autism One, a conversation of hope, brought to you by Enzymedica, hosted by Terry Aranga, illuminates how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. Autism is treatable and given appropriate therapies, children are recovering. With well-known researchers and doctors, members of Congress, and expert service providers from a wide range of disciplines, Terry offers interviews and insights highlighting the progress in areas related to autism spectrum disorders such as biomedical research and treatment, communication, education, and behavioral modalities, sociological and philosophical issues, and legislative advocacy and insurance concerns. Autism One, a conversation of hope, broadcasts each Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Autism One, a conversation of hope. Through education and conversation, there is hope. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com Help, you know I need someone You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com That's doc, letter G, at m-y-m-o-n-a-m-i dot com now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and our two guests, Ramesh Srinivasan and Robert Rich. Our topic is medical alert and family caregiving. Now, I'm again going to put the same question to both our guests um, so that we get a sense of broadly what's happening in the U.S. and what's happening in Canada and also look at some of the ways in which 
these things are going to be, these services are going to be developed. So, to many people, and I must admit I was one of them, Medical Alert um, is the organization that focuses on medical and personal emergencies. Now, from the perspective of a family caregiver, what exactly is a medical emergency and what types of things illustrate the range of medical conditions that you deal with as medical emergencies? Ramesh, first. Sure. I think what might be helpful is to give you the background story on the founding of Medical Aid Foundation, which began in the summer of 1953 in the farming community of Turlock, California. While her parents were away on vacation, Linda Collins, the 14-year-old daughter of our founder, Dr. Marion Collins, a physician and surgeon, cut her finger badly enough to require a trip to the local hospital. Following standard protocol, Linda's uncle performed a skin test before injecting Linda with a full dose of tetanus antitoxin, which contained horse serum. Within moments, Linda went into anaphylactic shock, a severe and potentially fatal allergic reaction. That incident nearly killed her. Now, that is an medical emergency, which was unplanned for and unforeseen by Linda's uncle, but who was, uh, had a keen insight to at least do the scratch test before conducting or providing the full dose, which could have killed her. Now, that is a typical example of a medical emergency, and that's what founded the Medical Aid Foundation more than 50 years ago. In terms of what is a medical emergency, a classic case would be an Alzheimer's patient. Because of their cognitive disabilities and challenges, they may wander away from home and perhaps walking down a highway putting themselves at risk. That is a medical emergency. A diabetic patient driving on the way to work or going shopping has a hypoglycemic attack, has a shock, uh, can have uh, unforeseen uh, you know, accidents. So these are the kind of examples of a, uh, a medical emergency. And lastly, I would say an autistic child who might behave erratically just because they are uh, very scared of their surroundings in case they are in a place where they're not used to being. These are the typical examples of uh, medical emergencies that we face on a daily basis when we get calls on behalf of our members. Thanks, thanks Ramesh. Robert, is that the same picture in Canada, or does it differ in any way? No, it's the same picture in Canada. I would just add to, to Ramesh's comments that Medical Alert also provides a means for um, healthcare personnel to access other information which may not be of an emergency nature. So it may be the case, for instance, that a person presents himself at the hospital and is unable to communicate um, some important um, some important factors about their underlying medical conditions, and the Medical Alert bracelet provides the link back to the emergency medical information record, which contains a whole host of information um, which may be useful in, in treating that particular patient. And that's all done by phone? Is that right? It, it's all done through a 24-7 hotline, yes. Right. Okay, good. We'll come back to the use of technology later on. Um, I'm going to ask you the question now. Medical emergencies obviously have a severe impact on family caregivers, um, and I want to know how specifically medical services support them when something has happened that's as dramatic as, as the things you've just been describing, both of you. Robert, first. I'm going to suggest that Ramesh take this question. We operate, um, or, or, or Medical Alert US operates a 24-7 hotline that provides direct response in the event of an emergency. So, Ramesh, can you speak to the, um, 
the, the dialogue that goes on between the hotline operator and an emergency responder? Absolutely. I'll be glad to. And, uh, I, you know, one of the things that we do here, uh, actually going back to your question, Gordon, is the impact that's on family caregivers, I would say, is an emotional impact. You just can't put a dollar sign to it and a financial impact. On the emotional front, uh, our 24-7 family caregiver notification and emergency services helps provide the peace of mind for family caregivers. A classic example is an individual uh, who is reported that their loved one has wandered away from home because they have Alzheimer's dementia. We are able to immediately put out a nationwide network dealing with the Alzheimer's chapters and then providing the critical information, both identification as well as physical descriptions and uh, medical information about that particular member to the uh, local uh, 911 dispatch. What happens in that case is once the individual is found, we are able to then contact the caregiver to let them know that their loved one has been located and is safe. And at the same time, in our partnership with the Alzheimer's Association, we provide them with care consulting services so that the family caregiver may be in distress, uh, might want to talk with some, uh, someone that can at least help them in a piece with the situation. So that's where the care council comes into play in our partnership with the Alzheimer's Association. But more importantly, I think when we do get a call from a family member, which we do on, on many occasions, uh, our operators are trained to calm them down and make sure that we are fully cognizant of their dire need and uh, facilitate in addressing the medical emergency call on their behalf. I'm going to hand over to Robert with the, with the next question, but it really flows from what Ramesh was, has, has just been saying. Um, the dire need of the family caregiver in certain types of, of medical emergencies, um, that's a major challenge. From your work in Canada, what do you see as the top three of those challenges to the family caregivers, and why do you see them as the top three? Well, when it comes to medical emergencies, I think it starts with being notified of the emergency in a timely manner. Um, you can just imagine the, the stress that would be present when, um, when uh, you realize that a, uh, one of your, your, your um, uh, person you're caring for has been involved in a, uh, any kind of accident or incident that requires medical attention. And so that, that first uh, timely notification of the fact that they've been uh, hospitalized is, is incredibly important to alleviating the, the stress in that incident. Um, the timely access to additional medical information allows the family caregiver not to have to rely upon their memory of uh, their, the person they're caring for's uh, underlying medical conditions, which can be extremely difficult under a time of stress. Um, that information can easily be accessed in a really objective form through the 24-7 hotline. So they're very quick access to that, that health information. And this is particularly important where a, a family caregiver is looking after more than one person, which is, which is uh, often the case. Um, it's often difficult for the caregiver to, uh, to, to remember um, the underlying conditions of, of both of his or her parents, for instance, and the link back to that emergency medical information record in that period of stress is, 
is really important. I think the third thing that um, that the medical alert system provides is it allows remote access to that uh, emergency medical information record. So, for instance, if you're looking after someone at a distance, if you're not physically able to be present um, at the time of a medical emergency, it still allows you access into that um, that emergency medical information file to help support that particular um, medical emergency. Now, I'm going to ask you both about the role of information technology because, as we all know, that's growing in its importance in, in healthcare. And we're talking about access to people's medical information. And, you know, when any of us get into a stress situation, the first thing that disappears from the mind is the details of the meds you're on and things like that. So my question, and I'm going to start with Ramesh on this one, please. What role does information technology play in supporting family caregivers in meeting their, thing, their challenges? Uh, it plays a great, great role, Gordon. Uh, as you know, our uh, core operation is providing information. And I think as Robert rightly pointed out, a uh, couple of the challenges are timely access, the fact that the information is always available 24-7, uninterrupted, and the fact that we can also provide that in uh, various languages so that we are able to support multiple languages uh, should there be a need for uh, relaying information in an emergency. But in terms of technology, uh, one of the things we have to make sure that we have redundant systems, that we have databases and servers from where we are able to tap into a member's record, we are able to relay that over the phone um, you know, instantly and accurately when requested. But more importantly and more recently, um, we have also uh, added a new service for specifically for our members who have Alzheimer's and related dementia. It's a program whereby an individual caregiver can remotely monitor their loved one uh, through the website and using GPS capabilities. How this plays out is that the, the loved one who they're caring for has a device and they can geofence so that they can set safe parameters so that if and ever the loved one wanders out of that zone, that will send an automatic short messaging system or an SMS to the caregiver. The caregiver can then go log in and locate the loved one and then take appropriate action. Or if they are unable to do so, they can contact medical hotline and then have our responders, ERT specialists, monitor and provide the necessary help. So that's where the technology comes into play. This sounds very impressive. And after the break, which is coming up shortly, I'm going to ask Robert just to talk about the Canadian situation and the use that uh, you make in Canada of information technology. Now, it is time for us to take that break again. Um, as I never, I'm never tired of saying the rent has to be paid. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley and my guests are Ramesh Srinivasan and Robert Ridge. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please stay with us. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. 
Join G. Cobb in the house every week on the Voice America Sports Channel. This show takes you inside the world of sports from one who knows. Gary Cobb is an 11-year NFL veteran who has almost 20 years in sports radio and television. From the locker room to the clubhouse, we'll talk on the inside with the newsmakers on the sports scene. It's always exciting and full of energy. G. Cobb in the house with Gary Cobb and co-host Micah Warren is broadcast live every Friday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You know I need someone You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at mymonami.com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Alphaline, and welcome back to Family Caregivers Unite and our two guests, Ramesh Srinivasan and Robert Ridge. Our topic is medical alert and family caregiving. Now, Robert didn't get a chance in the last segment to talk about the technology that's in use in Canada. So, Robert, please take us forward on that one. Sure. Let me just describe one interesting um, uh, use of technology that uh, we, pu- we implemented in Nova Scotia, uh, Canadian province, later last, uh, last year. So it's best described by providing kind of a concrete example. So a person is um, in, in need of uh, uh, medical attention, uh, call is placed to a 911 operator. The 911 operator asks if the person is a medical alert member. If the person is a medical alert member, their unique identification number is then captured by the 911 operator who then uses that information to push the emergency medical information record from, that, uh, from the medical alert database to a wireless PC in a truck on the way to the scene of the, uh, scene of the medical emergency. So what that allows is um, it allows a paramedic on, on route to an accident or a medical emergency access to that full medical profile before they even arrive on the scene. That, of course, allows them to um, better prepare for that particular uh, incident, provides valuable information on the person that they're treating, but it then also allows the uh, caregiver through the Family uh, Caregiving Notification Service to be notified of the accident and even allows the caregiver the opportunity to proceed to the hospital with a chance they would arrive at the hospital even before the person um, who's experienced a medical emergency would. So we think it's a really unique use of technology. 
It allows information to flow um, from where, where it's stored in our databases right through to the uh, paramedic who's arriving on scene where it's needed. And it does it, it this the information flows within a matter of seconds. Very impressive. Now, I'm going to talk about some of the things, or at least I'm going to ask you about some of the things that you've already mentioned. You know, this impressive work with Fred's example, dementia, people with autism, the wandering, and so on. Now, those conditions uh, have no treatment, do they? Um, unfortunately, generally speaking, they deteriorate with time. And therefore, there may come a time when the family caregiver isn't really any longer able to cope with all the family caregiving requires. Then there comes a need for transitions, you know, from, say, care at home to care in some type of facility. How do medical alert services help family caregivers coping with these transitions and afterwards? Ramesh first, please. Uh, we, uh, we traditionally do not uh, offer any services in terms of helping a, you know, a caregiver when they are coping with transitions. However, our services continue with the member or the loved one that they're caring for, regardless of if they're being transferred to a skilled nursing facility or a, or a hospice. We continue to provide our 24-7 services for that individual, which obviously includes also the family notification services. One of the programs that we do offer uh, to our you know, caregivers is the advanced care planning so that we are able to provide them with advanced directives at no extra cost. It's all included in the membership for the particular member so that caregivers can be better planned and be a bit more proactive so that they don't get hit by a shock rather than at all unexpected turn of events. However, they can be more prepared and have all the documents necessary in place. So Ramesh, I just want to interrupt you on one quick point. What's sure. an advanced directive? An advanced directive is basically a document, an official document, that stipulates that a individual's wishes should be respected in the event that they are unable to communicate for themselves. Okay, thanks very much. Could I so, now just yeah. ask you to finish the particular point because I did interrupt you. Oh, no. Oh, no. That's fine. Uh, so my point really is that so the advanced care planning or the advanced directives is one of the services that we offer to our, uh, to our family caregivers who are managing uh, their loved one's health and well-being. That's, that's basically what I wanted to say. Very good. Robert, what about the picture in Canada? Well, I think the real, um, the, the real key here is the continuity of that, um, that underlying uh, emergency health record, that regardless of what happens to the individual being cared for, that record remains consistent, it's accessible to the caregiver, and I think the relationship that the caregiver has with our customer service reps remains consistent as well. And I think through that transitionary period, that's, that's really important because the customer service rep um, is often a, uh, a frequent contact of that caregiver and is in a position to provide um, the um, uh, the support that the family caregiver requires, and sometimes that support may simply to be uh, to acknowledge the the difficulty of of um, the work the family caregiver is doing, and to be empathetic and understanding of the situation the the caregiver is in. Good. 
going to ask you now, you've talked about various sorts of emergency, but there's always the question of whether an emergency can be prevented or made less severe. And so I'd like to ask you both, starting with Robert, what kind of services Medical Earth offers family caregivers in protecting, and I'm going to call them their vulnerable family members, against emergencies of one form or another? Robert? I can say that's, that's, a, that's a, a, a unique uh, perspective on our operations, Gordon, that um, Medical Earth often, I think, sees services as being there um, to support people uh, once an emergency has happened. More proactively, though, I think what usually happens when a caregiver is interacting with a customer service rep is the customer service rep is in a position, um, because, again, we have over a million members in Canada and over 120,000 interactions per year, to speak to um, what a caregiver should look out for um, in, in, in the particular situation they're dealing with. And it may be that a, uh, the person they're caring for is on two medications which are very similar and a, um, a, um, a, a customer service rep at MediClerk can help the, um, the, the uh, caregiver avoid any um, miscommunication around those medications down the road, which helps prevent the medical emergency from happening. Thanks. Ramesh, what, what do you, what's your view and perspective on the protection and prevention aspect? Yeah, and I think uh, Robert made a great point, and that's uh, exactly what we do here as well, is uh, every record uh, that we capture here on behalf of a member, whether it comes from the member themselves or from the caregiver, we, uh, it goes to a, what I would call a medical review process so that we make sure that all the information that we have captured is accurate and correct and consistent with the individual's condition and health. Uh, if there's any question that we may have, then we reach out to the caregiver and confirm all the information that we have captured on their behalf. Uh, this is a proactive way to ensure that the information that we have is uh, current and valid so that when it's related in an emergency, we are not in any way sending out information that may be inaccurate in that sense. That's so that right. is definitely one key point uh, I would like to stress that Robert mentioned. Right. Now, talking of being proactive, um, I'd like to ask you both, um, starting again with Ramesh, what do you see as the path for evolution of these services that you're providing, not just in the prevention and protection, but just broadly um, helping family caregivers more and more, given their importance of their role um, in caring for people who need care? Uh, Ramesh, please. Sure. You know, let's take, I know we've, we've mentioned uh, quite a bit on the, you know, the Alzheimer's uh, population as examples. So uh, if I may, I'd like to talk a little bit about our own experiences with uh, our relationship with the autism society. Um, many times we hear from family members, parents, and caregivers. Uh, when they're caring for a child who's on the spectrum, it can be a different story. There are a myriad of additional issues to consider when addressing the safety of the individual with autism. Extensive safety precautions are sometimes necessary throughout the life of the individual. I mean, it doesn't end just when they turn into puberty or when they turn 17 or 18. It continues for their life. So children and adults living with autism, going to school or working or enjoying 
recreational activities in their communities uh, often may expend, uh, uh, demonstrate behavioral concerns that do not, and they don't understand the ramifications of their actions, right. which can be bothersome and at worst can be devastatingly tragic. That's Robert, where it's incumbent about caregivers to provide a safe environment. Robert, can I just ask you, because time is running out on us uh, for the next break, just to say how you see these kind of, these kind of services evolving in Canada. Well, you know, I think um, we, we recently did a poll of our staff at Medicler to understand what some of their issues were. Number one issue that came back was um, the lack of uh, or, or the perceived lack of support for them acting in the role as a, as a caregiver in their own families. And it especially became prevalent for people who were um, who had immigrated to Canada and who had loved ones they were caring for in other countries. So from my perspective, I think we have to improve the use of technology in delivering, um, in, in, in delivering care, caregiving at a distance. Right. That's an interesting challenge for technology, and it's one that I think you both would agree with me. We're, we're, all of us need to start thinking about the family caregivers saying what would help them, what's affordable, and what's technically feasible. Now, it's coming to the time again for the break, and I'm going to just comment that what we're hearing is a, a very powerful, the story of a very powerful service, 50 years plus. The way it has been relied on and continues to be relied on, but also what we're starting to think about is the way it's going to evolve in the future. So now's the time for the break. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guests are Ramesh Srinivasan and Robert Rich. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel, and please come back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. We all want peace. We all desire a more meaningful life. We work hard to achieve these things, but at what avail? The key is authentic living with Andrea Matthews. Andrea will interview some of the great spiritual experts of today and will provide wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your own I am. Your authenticity can give you miraculous gifts, but you have to know how to get there. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the 7th Wave Network. Voice America Network proudly presents the Catherine Zox Show for women, men, children, and families. Catherine magically combines her compassion, experience, and talent to bring listeners a show that's upbeat, informative, and yes, a little sassy. Tune in every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern to the Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at M-Y-M-O-N-A-M-I dot com. 
Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley. I'm welcoming back our, our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and our two guests, Ramesh Srinivasan and Robert Ridge. What we're talking about is medical alerts and family caregiving. Now, the next question is this. Supposing that you, my two guests, um, were appointed by your respective governments to oversee the development of policies for more and better support of family caregivers. That is to say, how would you, if you were in that decision-making and let's hope resource allocation position, um, how would you, what would you propose and how would you propose doing it? Robert, first of all. I'm going to suggest that it starts with something really simple and fundamental, and that is to define who a family caregiver is. Um, certainly been our experience that out of those 120,000 transactions that we engage in every year, um, that most people who, who are calling in on behalf of a, a person they're caring for don't think of themselves as a family caregiver. They just happen to be doing something they've always done. And I think it, it really starts with defining who a family caregiver is and what they do. And then the second thing would be to build public awareness around the value that that person provides in that particular role. The value is, um, is quite immense, but often hidden from the public. And I think the, the, the way to, um, to, to, to really um, ensure that family caregivers receive all the supports they need, they need has, has to start with defining um, what the role is and, and building awareness around it. And I guess the third thing would be to ensure that family caregivers have adequate resources to do their job well. And that could range from um, web-based resources to, to, to help them um, uh, understand um, uh, how to approach the, the, the particular role or specialized resources based on the condition of the person they're caring for. It could be um, pointers to support groups or, or tips on how to create support groups. Um, it could be counseling to... Um, deal with the often uh, stressful nature of the role. So I think I would start there. Define the role um, so it's well understood, build public awareness around it, ensure that there are adequate supports out there to, to help people who are, who are new to their role. Thank you. Ramesh? Sure. I would say I, I totally agree with what Robert just said. Uh, one of the things that I would uh, perhaps uh, mention would be is getting paid for caregiving. I mean, that's something sometimes is often missed for family caregivers. Oftentimes, little children have to give up their careers to care for their parents full-time, putting tremendous financial strain on the family. Uh, can there be a policy made once you recognize who the caregivers are and the effort that they have to put into place or the sacrifices they make? Uh, how can they be compensated for that? The second would be similar to what Robert mentioned, is just finding services and benefits. Caregivers sometimes are suddenly thrust into caregiving without any warning and no time for preparation and often don't know what services are available or even where to begin looking. So can there be a, you know, some kind of a repository, a clearinghouse that can help uh, at no cost for uh, caregivers to access information and create a network? Having, a, if you will, a Facebook for caregivers, if you will, 
so that they can talk to other caregivers and understand how they cope with their stresses. Lastly, we haven't really touched upon this, and this is most important, caring for their own needs. We always talk about a caregiver who gives care, but who takes care of the caregiver? I think that's equally important. I think that's where caregivers do go emotionally and physically. They're drained, when, and they themselves find themselves in poor health. Stress takes physical forms such as high blood pressure, heart attack, etc. So there has to be some ways to provide care for the caregiver themselves so that they can take care of their own needs and they can be healthy so they can make good choices and take good care of the ones that they are uh, responsible for. Very interesting. You know, on this uh, other show, other episodes, we've had family caregivers talking about their needs in this kind of way. And one of the things that came out quite clearly was the need for training because, as you both have said, the family caregiver uh, may have been delivering care of one form or another for a long time, but when the situation changes, um, they may be dealing with things that they're very unfamiliar with, and therefore, as you've been saying, they need to look to receive some kind of help, advice, and assistance but it may go as far as training. Uh, Just quickly, what do you both think of that? Do you think that training is something that family caregivers should be receiving? Well, I think there's there's a lot of parallels that can be drawn with um, women who work at home. Um, If if you think years back, women who worked at home um, used to to be um, uh, basically undervalued. Um, And there was, uh, over time, an awareness of the... Uh, uh, immense uh, role that a, a woman working at home was providing as a homemaker, and um, um, there was greater supports put in place to help that that uh, woman uh, or or ma- or man uh, um, fulfill that role. But what strikes me, Gordon, is that um, there there used to be a course in in high school called home economics. It was recognized that. Um, at a formal level, that that role, in order for a person to be successful in that role of homemaking, required um, some training, and there was formalized courses in home economics that provided that training right at the school level. And I don't know why it would be any different with family caregiving, that many of the um, things that are necessary to be a good family caregiver are not intuitive. They're um, they need to be learned and taught. And, and as Ramesh indicated, it can be a very stressful position and understanding how to handle that stress and when breaks are necessary is key to be uh, performing the role effectively. Ramesh, do you, first of all, see tra- training as something that should be boosted, as Robert does? And if you do, is that something, and I'm really going back now to medical alerts, is that something that you would see as, as some kind of increase, enhancement of medical alerts existing services? Well, that's an excellent point. But first, uh, I certainly do wholeheartedly agree with Robert's approach. And I think uh, that kind of training should be kind of embedded you know, in the educational system. In fact, I would go one step further and say that it should also be part of the medical training so that uh, providers and the future doctors and nurses are also aware of the role that caregivers play you know, on the overall health care or the health system and how they as providers need to also deal with caregivers. Um, and, but to your second point, which is very interesting, um, we do as a foundation, uh, Medical Ed does offer 
educational outreach services, although it's primarily targeted at uh, the what we call the professionals, which means first responders, EMT, EMS, law enforcement, etc. The the premise there is that they need to be trained that when they see an individual with a medical identification bracelet or necklace, they should be able to read, respect, and respond by contacting us to get more information. So we do this for the greater good, for all of society. Now, it's interesting that you brought up up this notion of training for caregivers, something that we may perhaps explore in the near future, partnering with other caregiver organizations to together provide some training material that can be offered for caregivers. Very good. Another thing that also came out was that caregivers, family caregivers, when they're in the middle, so to speak, of the family caregiving, which is going on day after day, week after week, month after month, they really don't have a lot of time because very often they've got other responsibilities as well. They may be still working. They may have other families to look after. So the question of then the training is this. Um, Could it be delivered in such a way that it fits in with an extraordinarily busy and sometimes stressed lives. Robert, what do you think about that? Well, I think the ideal training would respect that um, that um, there needs to be a number of different approaches. Certainly a web-based curriculum would make sense for busy people. Um, other caregivers may prefer to uh, attend some kind of um, in, in-person workshop that would help them uh, better understand their role and give them an opportunity to meet other people in their neighborhood who are also performing the same role. So I think it, the best possible uh, approach um, provides a number of alternatives and a number of different access points for people who, who are looking for more, more support. Ramesh, I'm just going to pick up on a point that Robert just made, and it also comes out from earlier shows, and that is family caregivers want to talk to each other. They want to share experiences. They want to hear from someone who's further down the road than they are in dealing with a particular situation or particular type of condition. And so, therefore, that raises the question of whether organizations like yours, with your um, superb reputation, could offer any kind of linking service, any kind of social networking for the kind of family caregivers who are already in touch with you or who could be in touch with you for the kind of things you're talking about. Ramesh, what do you think? No, that's great. Uh, In fact, it's interesting you uh, posed that question. Uh, For us, it has really come up as a a secondary benefit. Uh, We do have a strong presence in the social media, such as Facebook and Twitter. And we noticed that uh, folks who become uh, medical members who become fans of medical on the Facebook pages. Many of them are actually caregivers who are talking amongst themselves as to how medical has made an impact in their lives. Uh, when they take care of the loved one. But we haven't really focused on providing a true linkage, uh, you know, just for uh, what you just mentioned, which is a Facebook for, for caregivers only. Uh, but that's something we can definitely, again, explore as we begin to make sure that we deliver our core services first and then perhaps uh, in partnership with other groups be able to explore uh, providing a Facebook version for caregivers. Thanks very much for that. Now, here I'm going to our audience and just say a few ideas about what Medical Alert might be doing along the lines of the things we've been just we've just been talking about um, the social networking and all these other things 
please drop us a line and email. Um, we, we are, all of us, very interested in what you think. Um, we're keen to respond and would love to hear from you. So it's the close of the show is coming up. I want to say thank you very much to our listeners. I want to say thank you very much indeed to our two guests, Ramesh Srinivasan and Robert Ridge, who've shared their experience, they've shared their expertise, and they've shared their vision of an important future with us. Um, I'm sure we wish them every success, not only in what they're currently doing, but what they're going to be doing. Now, our next episode relates also to something that we've talked about on this show, and that's the whole question of medications. And the next show is going to be about um, the kind of relationship information exchange that goes on between family caregivers um, and pharmacists and pharmacies and physicians and people like that. Um, because the challenge always, and there's always challenges, is, well, what happens if there's a side effect? What happens if somebody's taken too much or too little of a medication? And as I said, it really flows back into the kind of things we've been talking about. So I want to say thank you very much indeed for listening and looking forward to seeing you, or rather to hearing from you and to meeting you online again, same spot on the dial. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being right.